That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Your homepage for horror is here. Fangoria.com is now live and brimming with the digital horror content you crave. Fangoria.com is your first destination for all the horror news of the day, featuring a constant curation of the Fango team's favorite links from across the internet. They are taking the time to aggregate the most important news in horror in one space to save you time and sanity. You'll also find long-form pieces, deep dives, and daily thoughts from the biggest names in horror, as well as exclusive access to the Fangoria Vault. Right now, all current subscribers to the magazine are automatically members of Fangoria.com. And as promised, the content of the new issues will forever be print only. If you're not already a subscriber, check out the new Fangoria.com for yourself and see the horror right before your eyes. Use promo code POSTMORTEM for 15% off right now. 15% off Fangoria and Fangoria.com. Promo code POSTMORTEM. I'm Mick Garris, and this is the Fun Size Postmortem AMA, where you can ask me anything, and asking your questions of me is producer Joe. Joe, how are you? I'm well, Mick. How are you? Just great. Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to you, and, and happy belated birthday to you. And, <laughs> and, and you. by the time it's there, happy belated birthday to me. Yay! Uh, <laughs> and to our engineer, Christopher, who was only a few days before me. Yeah, we're all, all Sagittarius. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. uh, so I figured since this is our year-end episode, yeah. we talk about some of the movies this year that meant the most to you, that you liked the most. First of all, kind of amazing that we have now we're now completing three years, three years. of postmortem post postmortem podcasts, which is amazing. And I guess we could probably announce that we're going for we are going for season four. We're going for season four. Yes, with our good friends at Fangoria, who've been just the best home possible for us. Yeah. Yes, we, we love Fango. We love being a part of the Fango family. Yes, indeed. But uh, but yeah, so so as so we're, we're approaching another end of the year. So tell me about some of the movies that, that you liked this year. Well, there there have been a few really good standout pictures. It's actually been a pretty good year for movies. Yeah, so. in a lot of ways, I would say so. Well, you know, the big surprise for me was Ford v. Ferrari. You liked Ford v. Ferrari? That's a movie you would never expect me to I, be interested no, in no. whatsoever. I liked it too. And it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. the, the performances are great. The writing is great. Yeah. The filmmaking is exceptional. I'm not usually into racing movie. and sports movies yeah. uh, of any kind. This one really did it for me. Did you I catch it in the theater or did you watch the screener? Oh, no. You'd have to see that in the theater. You I can't agree. watch that I agree. at home. The, just the engine revving. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. have an 86-inch screen, but still, it's not big enough to contain <laughs> that movie. Uh, 
I um, agree. Yeah, no, but, that is a surprise. I would not have expected that to be on uh, the best of Mick Garris. Yeah, I'm really glad it is. I really, I really love the that's movie. That's certainly in my top ten. Uh, the very top for me was Jojo Rabbit. Yes, me too. I think Taika Waititi is one of the great voices of filmmaking. And, you know, one of these days I'll watch Thor Ragnarok. But uh, <laughs> uh, Not uh, yet. Not yet. Jojo but, didn't get you there, huh? <laughs> well, I love the Wilder people. I yeah. love uh, what we do in the shadows. Yep. And then this was such an auteurist film. Yes. I mean, the writing and directing, I know it's based on a book that I haven't read. But well, supposedly it's not like the book. Much well, at all, I can't imagine core. because yeah. <laughs> it's such a cinematic experience. Yes. It starts out being a comedy. Yes. And it is so anything other than comedy. It ends up so deeply emotional and powerful. Um, you know, really, really great. Uh, I, I really love that. Um, probably uh, that would be leading my list. Right below that would be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You loved Once Upon a Time. Loved it. Well, growing up in L.A. and yeah. seeing that period of time in Los Angeles depicted so beautifully and accurately and there's obvi obviously so much love for my city from Quentin, who also grew up here. Yeah. That, you know, it's that alone would make it worthwhile. But the story and the revisionist history and Brad Pitt is so funny and so good. You know, I, I got to know him a little bit working with Angelina on Unbroken and uh, and really, really like him a lot. But. To see him play this kind of character, and DiCaprio's great, and it's just an imaginative, uh, an imaginative historical drama comedy. No, it's it's terrific, and that ending is just it's it's worth even if you think the movie's long. I think the ending is worth every second of it. It didn't feel long to me at all. This no, it's, is it's the, immersive. It's an immersive yeah, movie, I think. and it's energetic. Yes. You know, yeah, this it's is never a, boring. Never this boring. is a year of two and a half and three hour and three and a half hour movies. Yeah, and that to me is usually uh, a sign of. Uh, have you watched the three-and-a-half-hour movie yet? Uh, the Irishman, I did. And, you know, Martin Scorsese directed the first script I ever had produced on uh, amazing stories called Mirror, Mirror. Uh, I'm not the credited writer on there. The original writer was the guy who wrote After Hours for him, Joseph the only, only the first yeah. guy to direct your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm a big Scorsese fan, but um, I liked it, but it's not. To me, when you look at the crime movies and everybody talking about this being such an elegy yeah. uh, for Scorsese, for these characters and the like in the last hour, I didn't really feel that so much as just, you know, a movie that that was really well made yep. with great performances, particularly Al Pacino yeah, chewing the scenery like he's crazy. Joe Pesci's wonderful in it too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really, he got the band back together. The Uncanny Valley experience of the de-aging process, it, it was jarring to me. I know it's not supposed to be, but you can't help but know that that De Niro is the age he is and seeing his face de-aged, but still moving like... A yeah. senior. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. You can't. You can't change the gate of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and so it it detracted a bit. But look, Scorsese is a master, and he's entitled to do whatever the fuck he wants to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do think the the great irony though of him making another gangster movie 
and then critiquing Marvel for making the same movie over and over. There's just a little, yeah. a little uh, well, anyway. He, <laughs> he's entitled just because of who he is and Absolutely. what he has done. Absolutely. And, and all of that. So uh, more power to him. But the other movie uh, that I think you really liked that you wanted to talk about was Parasite. Parasite is great. Yes. I'm a big Bong Joon-ho fan, and we thought we were going to get him on the show. I met him several years ago. We had we had very yeah. close calls and a lot yeah. of scheduling issues, but um, uh, maybe down the road. Yeah, I love the social satire of it, and I love that it's South Korean, and it feels like it could be American. Yeah, But yeah. The, the cultural difference is just enough to make it even more fascinating and powerful. But that movie, the satire of it is... Uh, it's so upstairs downstairs Mm -hmm. in such a a really fantastic way it's really smart performances are great Um, and Bong Joon-ho has always imbued his movies with something really special you know I love the host that was the first one I was familiar with yeah me too me too and it is the same lead actor who plays the father of the family Um, and you know it's it's so fun uh, the host if you haven't seen that is a great monster movie and it's the characters are so rich and full and really funny um you know it's it's really great stuff and and he's really a filmmaker who's who's quite special. he's at the top of his craft i think too, he, he right is yeah and he yeah. started out way very up there. yeah it's true yeah. that's true yeah <laughs> well so uh since it is our end of the year holiday episode i thought we would talk about your experience uh working behind the scenes on one of our mutual friends, nightmare cinema filmmaker, genre legend, master of horror, Joe Dante's Gremlins. The, ah. One of my favorite Christmas movies. I'm actually <laughs> seeing it on the big screen tonight, which is awesome. Really great. Yep. Yeah. So I want to hear about it. Tell me about, tell me about how you got involved. Well, it was great. You know, I was doing, I started doing making ofs when I was doing uh, publicity at Avco Embassy. I did the making of The Fog, the making of The Howling, the making of Scanners, and things like that. So um, I was trying to make my transition from publicist to filmmaker, and I was working, doing publicity on uh, films at Universal. And even though Gremlins was not a Universal film, it's a Warner Brothers picture. Right. I was working with Spielberg on E.T. and and Poltergeist, which was an MGM picture, and uh, all of that. So um, I'm cheaper to hire myself to do uh, making of documentaries than anybody else. But (laughs) it was was thrilling to see it taking shape because I'd known Joe. I had met him in the 70s at a a screening of Piranha, and it was amazing. And uh, I had worked on... The Howling. You're in the Howling. I'm in the Howling, yes. <laughs> and uh, and to see him graduate from the Howling to this big studio, big budget, ten million dollars then, which was not a big budget, but uh, for it's him, still pretty big yeah. budget. In the 80s. But yeah. it was such an ambitious <laughs> sure. movie with all the, the puppetry. Uh, puppetry and animatronics and all that stuff. But it has Joe's sense of humor. It started out the script by Chris Columbus was a straight horror movie, right? And Joe's involvement and Spielberg's involvement, obviously, um, made it change course a little bit. And it was really fun to be on the set. I've got my 16 millimeter crew there, you know, a cameraman and a sound man, 
just uh, getting access for a few days. We didn't have access to the whole production schedule. But to be the fly on the wall as something was happening that I knew was going to be special. I didn't know it would become the perennial that it is right. and the true all-out classic. But it seems like so many films that came from Amblin in those days did end up that way. And yeah, yeah just, they really did. But it made me feel like Zelig, the Woody Allen character, who's the little out of focus guy in the back of every picture <laughs> with famous people in it. You know. Now, when you did when you did these behind the scenes, were you was it only during a specific portion of the production, or were you yeah. there the whole time, kind of filming little pieces? No, no, uh, they couldn't afford to right, have right. somebody do that. Well, they could, but right, sure. But um, they would say, this is a good day. The puppets are going to be working. Right, uh, right. This is a good day. Hoyt Axton is going to be there. Um, you know, I think we had a total of four days. So I do, I do specifically remember schedule. seeing the making of in, your, in the Chinatown. Exactly. Yeah. That's the Hoyt Axton right. day. Yes, yeah. yeah. And we, we knew that they were going to be shooting Chinatown then, and that would be atmospheric. It would be great to see yeah. in behind-the-scenes footage. So they would choose specific days. The same thing with the Goonies, although um, uh, it was a little different circumstances. Another DGA director had been brought in because I was not a member of the Directors Guild, right. and I was the producer instead of director, but it ended uh, up yeah. being different you know but it must have been up. fun to see your friend joe you know do on back back behind the camera again it was great it was great you know we we knew each other and we were friendly we weren't really close friends at that time but it was so exciting to see you know google gobble one of us a guy who started as a rabid fan who wrote for castle of frankenstein magazine right. ending up graduating to piranha to from hollywood boulevard to piranha to the howling to oh my god gremlins it the, was great and the, nobody was more deserving of that. yeah yeah the puppets were notoriously difficult did you see yeah. any of that oh it took forever but <laughs> that was to be expected you know chris Wallace, um who used to be a makeup effects partner with Bill Malone back in the 70s. Oh, wow. They used to do sculptures and makeups and prosthetics and things for movies uh, together before they split apart and both became directors. Um, but yeah, we saw Gremlins, the, uh, the big gizmo driving the Barbie car, uh, <laughs> break down several times <laughs> during that. And then there was a giant Gremlin head that had much more intimate... Uh, and complete expression making right, abilities. Right, but that was for, for close-ups. Close yeah, exactly the close-up. Close when you're when you're watching Joe do it, I mean, in those situations happened. I mean, you know, I watched him on Nightmare Cinema, which is a relatively simple shoot by <laughs> yeah. comparison. But he uh, always yeah. he always maintains his cool. Was was he able to do that in those kind of bigger situations? Joe is an amazing guy. He's a really good guy. He never wants to shake up the confidence of the actors and the crew. Yeah. He's always putting on a good face. You know, he, he, when he was doing Explorers, he was totally screwed over by the studio. Yeah. And I remember him telling me once that, you know, I feel terrible. I feel like we're making a bad movie, but I have to come in every day with my, my happy face on and be lead the, the troop 
into yeah. victory. You which, know? which I mean, you know, I know, I know he has his, you know, emotional connection to that movie because of that experience. But I love that movie. Well, all we see <laughs> is what the m- sure. movie that came out, and right. that's great because right. yeah. I love it too. Yeah. But boy, I can. I've been on the other side too, where yeah. you're, you're making something that you love, and then suddenly there's pain behind every yeah. cut, every shot. Yeah, every, they yeah. change course on what they want it to be. Yeah. And and that regime. Uh, under Jeffrey Katzenberg uh, at Paramount at that time, yeah. they changed course and made him start shooting before the script was even finished. But even then, he he managed to keep uh, a, a brave face on. Completely, yeah. yeah. And, and that one, yeah, the, that one was one that I did a making of on as well. I, I did not <laughs> I, know. That. I was executive producer of that making of. Huh. That was the DGA issue. So oh. uh, I brought in a guy named Chris Peachin to actually do the directing. Oh, that's on cool. That. But I, I did the interviews and all that. I, I learned something new every time I talk to you. That's Mike. why we do this. <laughs> <laughs> that is the point. Well, uh, on that note, Mick, thank you so much for uh, another year of postmortem. It's Thank you, Joe. Thanks for... to all our guests. Thanks to all our fans. And here we're hitting right around 70 episodes by now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty amazing. So, so uh, you can ask me anything by going to Twitter or Instagram at Mick Garris PM. Check out the Facebook page, uh, Postmortem with Mick Garris. And we look forward to the next one. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you would let the world know about it by reviewing and rating it on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you have comments or questions for our Ask Mick Anything shows, send them to Producer Joe at Joe Russo Tweets or to at Mick Garris PM on Instagram or Twitter or the Postmortem with Mick Garris Facebook page. This is a brand new address, so don't forget it. That's at Mick Garris PM on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to see my vintage and recent video interviews, making of documentaries, and audiobooks of some of my short stories, go to my website, MickGarrisInterviews.com. Thanks for listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris. Download new episodes every other Wednesday and subscribe on iTunes. Calling all coffee drinkers. If you've been trying to enhance your daily coffee routine, then Quest has got your back with their brand new iced coffees. Now available in two delightfully delicious flavors that'll be sure to add an extra pep in your step. Vanilla latte and mocha latte. Quest has been on a mission to help fuel you with protein-forward foods you'll love. Each bottle of Quest iced coffee is packed with 200 milligrams of caffeine, the same amount as two cups of regular coffee, plus 10 grams of protein per serving to help you supercharge your day. And did I mention that they only contain one gram of sugar? It might just be time to cheat on your iced coffee with iced coffee. Find Quest iced coffees on Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition. That's Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition.